0: and welcome to the business of property podcast i'm Stuart, and i'm simon and we've been finding buying and growing income from property for over 20 years and we talk every week about the reality of running our property businesses and quick reminder as always if you are enjoying the show and you've got any value from us over the last few episodes please do leave at least a rating or even better a review and you'll get a shout out as many others have had on the show now, today, we welcome special guest, Julia Scoville, who's already pointed out that uh, she might have a, a spicy surname, but she's not going to be too spicy with us today. So welcome to the show, Julia.
1: Uh, well, thank you for having me, Stuart and Simon.
0: You're, you're very welcome. And the reason we've invited Julia onto the show is because Julia has done a thing which many people aspire to do, which is not only starting a property business uh, in her experience was a a lettings business but she started grew and exited stroke sell sold a property business and has moved on so we're going to get into that today really because we thought that would be quite useful for any of us so for myself for example i am growing a lettings business by proxy because it's a almost a hundred room business although it's still a property company so julia the first question i thought would be good to start today was how did the lettings business come about did it start as you started it as a lettings business did you move into that how, how did you decide to start on lettings
1: yes Stuart, very good question um it wasn't something that we strategically outlined that we really want to have um letting business and i'm saying we it's uh, myself and my business partner so when we started our property journey, uh, we were refurbing lots of properties for ourselves, diverting them into HMOs, and then we were offering service and still do to other people who want to build portfolio but don't have knowledge how to do it and don't have time but do have money. So naturally, we were refurbing those properties, and money came down to think, who can manage HMOs, um, who is going to look after them? Frankly, we couldn't find or trust anyone on the high street to do it because it's quite specialized way of management. And the reason why, again, I came to that idea is because back in the days when I was much younger, I used to share, uh, you know, property myself when I was a student. So I know it's quite different to your traditional buy-to-let. So that's how idea born, really. You know, instead of getting someone else to manage, let's open up our letting agency I should point out, I've never been letting agent in my life. I never even aspired to be one. So having letting business was something completely new to me. Um, So, yes, that's how the idea started.
0: And which area were you operating in? Which part of England?
1: So it's uh, West Sussex in Crawley. um, And, you know, our agency was specializing in HMO and still is. Um, in HMO management so there is lots of details processes and everything else around that specific setup of the properties.
0: Fantastic so so you were doing it for yourselves you thought you can do it better because there's no one specializing it so you then started it how then did you grow that business?
1: Well that's a um, um, really good um, actually question because when I started uh, Simultaneously, myself and my business partner were running three businesses, and we all started them uh, pretty much almost around the same time. So we were establishing three businesses. um, So she we kind of decided to delegate, right? So she looked after the refurb side of the project and you know businesses, whereas I um, started to establishing our letting agency. So I had to learn how to be a state agent or letting agent, I should say, at the same time as building the business. So I had to learn all the all the regulations. I have to find out, you know, all the requirements for registering with different bodies, uh, the software research, you know, all those kind of things. But what was, I guess, um, different for me, that from day one, I was building that business to be, I call it, exit ready. So from day one, even even if it was just me at that time, already start noting down all the processes. I've outlined the mission statement for that letting agency, the vision, the values as well. And then once we start recruiting people to come and work for us, it was really, really easy for us to train them. It was easy to interview them because we had the mission of our company, of our letting agency, how we're different from any other letting agency out there. And then naturally we're attracting those people and during the interview, we were trying to suss out, are they supporting our vision? Are they resonating with our values? And if the answer is yes, well, they're a good fit, right? If the answer is not, they're not a good fit for us. This was becoming a you know, tool of the company that I can outline. And, you know, lots of uh, business owners, um, when they're starting the business, especially those who maybe have worked in corporate career, one of the reasons why they want to start their own business because they want to walk away from corporates, right? They just had enough of that lifestyle and that culture. And so they're almost like dismissing everything about corporate world and things that they've learned, but actually corporate world, okay, the culture itself might be brutal, But the way they manage the business on a larger scale, you know, those big global companies, the reason why they're managing is because they do have systems and they do follow those principles and basics. And it all starts with a vision, mission statement, values, and so on. So from day one, it was my objective. I'm building this business to sell. Um, And so whatever I was doing in that business, I was thinking, right, okay, how I can um, you know, how I can systemize it so it will be ready for sale, how I can attract people to come and work for us and train them in a way that it doesn't rely on me anymore.
0: Yeah, I, it's. I, I'm sitting here smiling and laughing because that is exactly my experience and something I truly believe in what you're talking about because I was that corporate person, I left that corporate life and I was even though I enjoyed my time, when I left, it was like, right, I'm leaving all of that stuff behind, then started a property business and decided to use nothing that I'd learned for the previous 20 years. And it was only once I introduced the vision, the values, and then applied the strategy to all of those things that the business grew. And, and in the last five years, so the first two, three years, the business did not grow. And then the last five years, it's, it's really grown. So uh, completely subscribed to that. And what I also wanted to under, uh, underscore for, for listeners, what you said is you started building something that was going to be exit ready. And that doesn't make a lot of sense to to some people, but equally, it makes a lot of sense to me because I know that even if I don't want to sell in 10 years, it ha- how do I make it exit ready? Well, I do what you've just talked about. I have to build systems and processes so that if I were to exit someone would buy it because they don't want to buy a job. But equally, even if I retain that business, it means it's running as a business. It's not just me. So I think um I think you've you've shared some really, really good advice for anyone that's aspiring to grow property businesses. So we've talked about how you built the structure, the systems, the processes to grow a business. What were some of the biggest challenges you faced and what would you identify as one of your biggest mistakes as a team? Uh, to building that business
1: so i want to share with you actually what i've done so actually it's interesting because when my business was doing that in lettings i fell pregnant with my second child so it was good news but also it was bad news because i was thinking oh my goodness how i'm going to do this it's already so much too much and on top of this you know i know when you've got just newborn how much attention they need and honestly I just thought (laughs) how I'm going to do this so in a way it's kind of good thing that happened to me because it's really pushed me to think number one outside of the box number two systems and processes automation must you know I can't I don't have that time to offer to my business to do things any longer so what I've done with that um I've started noting down all our systems and processes. And then when I was recruiting staff, I will give them intensive training, like full month. I'll be with them every single day. I'll be watching them, renting the rooms, talking to people on the phone, uh, filling up the uh, software, kind of checking where the mistakes are, giving them feedback, giving them feedback, making making them better all the time. For example, when they will do the viewings for the rooms and renting out, um, they will be upstairs taking people upstairs to look at the rooms I'll be downstairs listening you know like what what they could have done better and naturally because my corporate career was in learning and development I was coach for big banks Um, so I've got the skill set of developing my staff and team so I always was giving them feedback to the point where after one month I will feel so confident in them. I'll get them signed off from our processes and I'll leave it to them. And so what we've done, we um, hired an office in Manor Royal, in Crawley, in Regis. And my staff was operating from that office. I wasn't there a month at a time. so But I had trust in them and I knew that they're fully capable of doing what expected I knew they're following the system and processes, but also they love that approach because I gave them freedom to make success, to make business um, hitting the goals, hitting the targets, to think outside of the box. It's almost like they felt like it's their own baby as well and their own business. Um, obviously, I will have regular check-ins for them, like um, monthly, sorry, um, daily calls in the mornings, you know, we set the objective for the day, um, you know, targets, and then we'll have another phone call in the evening asking, you know, what went well, what didn't, all that stuff. So that was uh, happening great. And um, you ask about the challenges. So that was the challenge number one when I found out I was pregnant, you know, how I'm going to do this. But actually, it's made me think outside of the box and think how I can make things better. And um, I guess um, the challenge or mistake number two um, that we made in our business, because managing HMO, you managing so many relationships in a house, and also because we were very passionate about being personable with our, we don't even call them tenants, so the term we use, residents, and there is a reason behind that as well, why we do that. So we became so personal with our residents and we've so been focusing on customer service and pleasing them that actually it's went into detrimental situation against us. You know, like we start having phone calls, like I don't know, eight o'clock at night. We had phone calls on the weekends that we have to pick up. We also set up WhatsApp chats for each house, uh, where we can almost like, um, um kind of check, right? What the situation there. uh, going in the house, other people getting along. And somehow we start getting, being involved and becomes almost like mums. You know, my my business partner used to call me like, you're becoming our (laughs) mum for our residents. And they will used to complain, like they will call me, I don't know, like 11 o'clock at night. I remember this girl for me and she said, Another girl's boyfriend came in the house, and you know we all had a drink. And now he's becoming rowdy, and he's offensive, and he, you know, I don't feel safe in the house. Can you come over right now and do something? And I was like, well, what? What am I supposed to do? Right? I'm not going to beat him up or anything. I said, look, you have to call the police, but I have to guide them through what to do. So, you know, it's. um, And then there was one other situation where, um, I guess, the people the kind of the residents in the house became very friendly and they were organizing lots of, well, parties or gatherings and they used to stay up until late, but one specific individual didn't get along with them and um, so the friction developed and like every tiny little thing that has been happening in the house, it's just like a spark and the arguments and the hatred and whatever and obviously I'll be in the middle of all this so it's kind of made me realize i'm becoming too involved i'm beca- I'm taking too much responsibility and becoming like them and at the end of the day they're adults, right, so they have to mm. have the tools or deal with those kind of situations themselves so we it's taught us as a business to set strict boundaries, and you know like because we are a small business, we're getting very personal with our customers is to understand that you have to set yourself. And set that boundaries with your customers. And as much as you don't want to be faceless, you have to create that boundary. Otherwise, it just becomes too much. And again, that's actually not helping your business to be as a business. It becomes again one of those situations where it's just a job and you know you single operate and you're too intimate with your clients. So that's like second. I guess biggest learning we've done, or mistakes and learning we've done in our business,
0: and it's a, it's a great learning, and that's why we ask that sort of question because you get the experience to know how to operate, and because you've talked through the challenges of building the, the you know the systems and processes with staff and building it, and then. What seems like a great thing because you're developing relationships with your residents, what you call residents, which is brilliant, and, and I call I try and call them customers, but you know, for my, in my business, just to take get us away from tenant, basically, but by being so personable, <clears throat> you've now become integral to their staying within the property, which. And again, that's the the great learning that you've just pulled out for everybody is that by doing that, it stopped being a business because you can't have a system and process that needs Julia involved in it because you can't take yourself out if you're getting calls to separate boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, and and residents from each other. So it's a great learning. So we've talked about how you've grown. And so just talk us through then the growing so you've built a bit of a system of frameworks and processes then was it just organic growth that that got the business to where you wanted it to be
1: so we had organic growth from doing refurbs and acquiring our um, clients in that way Um, then then obviously that wasn't just sustainable by itself if you're growing business you have to sell in number through number different channels so Then it was uh, finding the clients through networking, through um, kind of uh, being um, in a property world as well. We did marketing as well, like leaflet marketing and uh, letter marketing to landlords as well. So it became more active approach. And with that also, like a true believer, everyone in a company, in your company must sell. You know, they should have ability to sell. And if they don't, you need to train them to do that. And there is lots of negative image, right, about selling. It's like pushing something uh, that people don't want, which, again, I work a lot with my um, team to, if they do have that belief, to overcome that. Because actually you're serving, you're not selling, you're serving, you're providing solution to other people that they like looking for. And if you're not shouting out loud about that solution, well, you don't do them service, actually. So it became kind of more um, attracting landlords in that way, you know, like through conversations, but also training my staff to go and sell. Like if I'll find a hot lead for them, I'll say, look, go and speak to that person, see how we can help, you know, see what they're doing. Um, especially those who just were refurbing the properties. That was a brilliant opportunity to get in because... Um, you know like they're just refurbing. they're not on the stage yet to think about who is going to like they haven't signed a contract with any um, letting agent so it's a great way to um, get connected but also give them a bit of your expertise and show them that you are expert and maybe point out to say well look the fire alarm you know has to be this or um, if you're creating storage in the room if it's going to be HMO you might want to add hooks or you know like kind of show that you know what you're talking about so they can value that you much more than just operational letting agents
0: yeah and so so you've so you've grown the business and i'm just wondering if you had it already in your mind that there was a point you were, at which you were going to look to sell or whether that just thought came to you at a certain point in the business so how did that develop
1: Yes, it was interesting. So we always were thinking we're going to sell it. That's That was the objective. Um, I guess there the, the, the was like interesting turns in my business. So I had, I've attracted this amazing star uh, in terms of star member, right? To my business. And um, so I was interviewing someone for a role of letting manager. And uh, my, my process was, first of all, it's phone call. So over the phone, that person sounded like um I don't know like like 30 years old you know gentleman I was like great and turning up for face-to-face interview and there is like a you know excuse my term sporty teenager sitting there like very very young person thinking oh my god this just doesn't match I might as well just run away turn away I thought okay he turn up and you know I just give him time so I grill him to my dearest life with questions and interviews and bless him, he actually handled it all, you know, as much as he was nervous, he handled all, but I've seen in him sheer hunger for success, sheer determination to make this work, and I thought, you know what, you're the right person, so I've trained him up, and um, he he just was soaking everything like a sponge, so he was my A-star person, and um, down the line, he got headhunted by Fox and Son. And he came to me and he said, Julia, I'm, you know, so sorry. I am have to hand my notice. I'm going to have, you know, Fox and Sons that offer better salary, blah, blah, blah. I could have kept him in my business, but I thought, you know what? It's a, his journey. He needs to go and work for corporate, So... He did, and he faced the challenges in the corporate world, as everyone does, because he was doing so well in that world, he started making other people who've been in the business for donkey's years looking bad. So obviously, all that started happening against him. So he was like, Julia, can I come back three months down the line? Can I come? I was like, no, you staying there. It's either make it or break it point for you, and I'll let you know how to navigate all this. So he stayed for one year. And you will understand why I'm saying all this story to you. And then after one year, he says, Julia, look, the culture actually doesn't fit me. I love working for you. I loved that you gave me freedom and you gave me this um, almost like entrepreneurial um, ownership of what I was doing in my job. And by the way, I've learned how corporates do business. And I've got now an idea and plan, marketing plan, how we can grow your business as well by doing more, like doing buy toilets and um, offering just um, initial onboarding service, um, so he came up with a plan. So we kind of faced um, in our um, business, in our letting agency, a, a choice or decision: we either grow exponentially or we sell. Um, so that was really, really interesting. So at that point, me and my business partner, we, um, I guess we, we, we kind of came to the point where we came a bit tired in um, running so many businesses, you know, like, as I mentioned, three businesses developing at the same time. And uh, we thought, you know what, like, we probably, it's a good time to actually offload something. Um, so we uh, packaged our lettings up, you know, well, it was kind of exit ready from day one. And we put it out there for an offer. Um, and we approached local estate agents and competition that was the best way of doing for us as well to sell that business because we've got relationship with our customers as well we've got relationship with our homeowners you know we didn't want them to go to like you know kind of high street letting agency and pass on and we we just knew they're not going to get looked after in the same way so it's made sense for us to pitch it to people in our network So we had two good offers on the table um, and uh, we went through the diligence stage. We start kind of um, talking about the multiplier, the number and so on. And then my business partner goes, actually, you know what? Going through all this, I realized that I can't exit uh, yet. Um, So our conversation led to then take decision for me to exit. And she was buying out my share, which again, spin the whole experience of selling your business upside down because together we were pitching our business to outside world and we were trying to build the value of our business and show the value of our business to other people and why they, what, how they're going to benefit from getting our business. And now all of a sudden I have to pitch my share to my business partner. And think from a completely different view. And obviously, she knows everything about our business inside out. So she doesn't have to do due diligence. So it was really interesting mindset process as well. Um, so, yes, that's what we did. And at the end of the day, you know, we are, are, she bought my share. I've exited that business. And it's now gave me freedom and more time and choice to do something that I'm very passionate about. Um, so, what i'm doing right now is business coaching so i've kind of combined my skill set of corporate world of training development, coaching, plus being a business owner and setting up businesses from scratch now to help other small medium sized business owners to get into exit ready position because you know from my experience, I face so many stories when We know um, life is a wonderful thing, right? It throws all sorts at you. It slaps you, it gives you lemons, and you just don't know when they're gonna appear in your life. And if you have to sell your business or exit because you have to look after your loved one because they fell ill, or your health actually went down, or the children, or maybe you're relocating for whatever reason, you know, like, you just don't know, right, what's happening, what can happen. If you're not exit ready, There are two usually options that happens. Number one, you're going to sell your business at peanuts because actually it's not systemized and other business owner doesn't want to buy a job. Other business owner or investor, they want to invest into your business and start getting the return. Or number two, you're just going to walk away because the pressing issues of your personal life will be so greater than actually selling that business and making money. So to me, it's a crime to sacrifice so much of your personal life because I know myself how much sacrifices all business owners have to make. Put your blood, sweat and tears into it and then not benefit financially. You know, like mm. and there are only seven steps. I kind of take my clients through seven steps of systemizing a business and getting into exit ready position. And it's simple right. and it's easy to do. So that's my passion now and that's what I do.
0: Very good. And that's coming through. And and we, we will come back to that. But I, and I'm just thinking from a listener perspective and certainly from a very selfish perspective. The first thing I'm thinking about when you talk about. So we, we talked about, you know, you've, you've, you've found a lettings business that you wanted to grow. You've grown that business. You've learned how to scale that business and build it, focusing on both customer side and internal training elements of it to build it so that it's systemized and can operate without you and got it to a level where you can sell it to somebody else or another company. How did you set about valuing that? So you talked about multiples, and I'm going to just sort of highlight that for the listeners. So I typically think we can think about the business in terms of its it's revenue, it's total revenue, or my understanding of a lot of businesses when they think about selling, they're going to sell it based on a profit basis. So the what we call the EBITDA, so the earnings before interest, tax depreciation, and amortization. is. So how, how did you guys set about valuing that? Because I just want to touch on how that may or may not have changed when it's, it became an external sale to an internal sale.
1: Well, it's, it's a really great question because um, I guess... If you never packaged up your business for sale, there is this big, great myth. When you speak, especially to accountant, the multiplies three. You know this magic number. Usually, it's multiplier of three of your turnover. And so we got really excited, me and my business partner. Oh, you know, multiply of three. You know, that looks really good. Until we actually faced the reality. And the reality was that you need to understand. um, where the value of your business is. You know, it's not even in system and processes. It's not even in your staff. It's not even in your unique proposition. Uh, Whoever going to, going to buy your business, they're buying future profit. They're buying future income, right? From that business. So you need to understand where is that coming from in your business? So in letting business, it's for landlords, obviously homeowners using your service. So it's, Kind of understand what you've got, how many of them do you have, what your portfolio looks like. Because um, if you do have one landlord who maybe occupied 70% of your portfolio, that's a huge risk to your business and your multiplier or the valuation of your business will go right down. So, um, so yes, EBITDA comes into place as well here. So we actually end up using multiplier. Uh, it wasn't three. It was much less than that. Um but what has made us realize that, um, for example, with our value of our business, the, the, the biggest value of our business is, was contracts with our landlords, you know, with our homeowners. So we thought how we can eliminate risk for new owner or investor. And one of the ways was is to fix our uh, landlords into one year or two year or three year. And as soon as you've done that, the value of your business goes up because that gives security to a new owner that those customers are not going to just walk away all of a sudden because they don't like the look of new owner. Um, you know, there is predictable income. It's all in black and white. It's in a contract. So they know that, you know, they've got that period of time where they've got that income coming in and then it's up to them to build those relationships, to please new customers, to build the business forward and so on. So... Yeah, hopefully that kind of gives you a bit of um, insight or answer. It,
0: it does. And did did that change much when it became a sale between you and your former business partner uh, versus selling to uh, to an external?
1: Yeah, so we, um, it was actually really interesting, again, because we packaged it up and we all kind of, we put like a sale pitch, right, about our business to external companies. Um, when we was when I was selling my share, I have to honor that um, terms and condition to my business partner as it would have been someone you know like someone else because I think that's only fair. So um, so yeah, we we use multiply whatever multiplier was offered or negotiated with external people. We use that in our business, but obviously we deducted liabilities and stuff like that. Whereas with New or like new external people who wanted to buy us, they weren't actually necessarily interesting interested to buy our limited company. They so were interested in buying our contracts with our landlords, so they weren't interested in buying our systems even, or um, you know take over the company itself. Is the landlords and contracts. So, but again, you know, like this can be very depend on your buyer what their objective is, what they needed, yeah. what they see value. Um, so yes, it's you know it's really interesting process. And then since that experience, because I became working with lots of business owners who I take through systemizing the business to exit ready position. Now I'm facing situations when my clients now ready to buy more or actually want to sell. So I sit sometimes in the middle or help them with negotiation and i work alongside with a business broker and he gave me lots of insights as well and stats of um selling your business and one of the interesting stats um i guess that comes into play is that 65% of um businesses don't sell that packaged up for you know for sale for various reasons but you know to sell the business sometimes people think oh yeah it's easy it's quick i've got this taj mahal i'm selling and they get really excited but actually on average it does take 6 to 8 months to sell your business and there is lots um risk factors to you know to kind of not to fall through and actually a lot of it also to start with, the foundation of selling your business lays between relationship of seller and the owner. It's almost like it has to be perfect marriage because the moment you got undermined trust with each other during through due diligence stage or negotiation stage, it, it can just really fall flat on its face. So it's a delicate process.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's a, some great, exa- great advice there for anyone that's thinking about selling and, and another good point is to think about who might buy your business. And it's funny, because I met with an investor only yesterday. And it's one of the questions he had, because we were talking about exiting uh, a business. And he said, well, you need to think about who's going to want to buy your business, not just from the highest level, or like in terms of, well, it's going to be an investor, and they don't want to buy a job. But also, who do you think, you know, so as in, Could it be an institutional business? Will it be another estate agency? Will it be a letting agent? And if so, why? So in your example, it's essentially they were buying the revenue stroke customer base to build in. And there's a great point around there about building out longer term contracts, because of course, if I'm buying a business and everyone's on a... Sort of rolling monthly contracts, I'm thinking, well, actually, this, this could be gone in a month's time if, if, like you said before, they just decide to go and work with the competitors. So I think there's some really good advice there, which I'm just underlining for anyone listening. And as we draw to a sort of close of this podcast, Julia, so we, you've exited the business and you've talked about, uh, and it sounds that you're very passionate around helping people. So how did that come about once you exited the business? Is it just something you felt interested in? How did, how did you move into the, the coaching side of the the practice
1: yes as i mentioned life is a wonderful thing right throws and slaps you mm-hmm. um so that's what happened to me so um sadly i've lost my mum a year and a half ago and i lost my dad june this year so all those kind of life events had um i guess knock effect on me and um which then pushed me to think i have to because in in my previous business i was very mm, how can i describe I was very um, motivated action taker. There was lots of push, push myself you know do more, squeeze more, and um, eventually it does take toll on you as well. So I have to rethink my strategy, and I have to think about my personal health and my well being and my um, I guess energy resources so i 've asked myself a question, okay, Julia, now you 've got time, you've sold your letting business, so what comes to you easy. Naturally, wake me up two o'clock in the morning. I can talk about it with no preparation. And the answer came to me it was coaching, business, property. I thought, you know what? Let's do that. You know, if, if it's something I enjoy and I can talk forever for ages, why not to be? So that actually switch was really interesting in my personal life as well in my business life because I truly now being in a state of mind that I don't feel like I'm working or what I do, it it is work. I truly enjoy it. You know, it truly gives me satisfaction and kickback. Not to say that letting business didn't. It was fun to build and construct. But now I'm in I guess like I'm involved into next level. Um and because of my experience, it's pushed me to think how I can do more with less. And automate and systemize, I'm doing that in my business coaching Business coaching as well. Um, so I'm very, you know, like that 80-20 rule, I'm very, I guess I perfected that in my, in my actions. So I only do 20% of actions that creates 80% of results for me
0: fantastic and that is the power of leverage once you've got the experience that you have and the passion which you clearly have for helping others so for anyone that's listening that would like to contact you and understand a little bit more about how you operate and how you might be able to support them where's the best place for them to go julia
1: absolutely so number one i'm on instagram it's julia underscore business coaching number two it's my website Number three, I will be launching my own podcast and YouTube channel. So Julia Redline Coaching, that's my umbrella for my um, coaching business. So just message me. I'm very approachable. As you can see, very passionate about (laughs) helping people. So even if you're going to end up having a little chat, that's just more than enough for me. So yes, more than welcome to have a little chat.
0: Fantastic. That's brilliant. And all that leaves me to do, Julia, is to say thank you very much on behalf of Simon and myself for joining us today. For everyone else, I I hope you've got some value from that because there was a lot of golden ear nuggets in there. So if you've got that value, please do leave a rating and review and feel free to contact Julia. Those contact details will also be in the show notes. And other than that, we'll see you on the next episode.